Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Talking Wednesday podcast. I am Jack, and as you can see today, I'm on my own. Because unfortunately, Mr. Uh, Mr. Dexterity Box and Mr. Punk Chef both have a little bug, so they're feeling a bit poorly. And uh, unfortunately, their, their strong-willed older gentleman immune systems cannot handle it. So uh, they've been in all of the festive period and the New Year period. It's, it's, not, it's not, been, not been nice. But uh, here we, here I am. I was about to say here we are when there's literally just me. Um, <laughs> but uh, here I am uh, uh, covering for them both uh, after having agreed with them that I would have a break <laughs> over the Christmas New Year-ish period until the 100th episode. <laughs> but I'm back again. I'm like that rash that you didn't fully take the whole round of antibiotics for. Here I am again. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, it's very nice to see you all. Uh, I hope this podcast is finding you well in this brand new year of 2023. Um, and yes, I I hope that you've had a good New Year period. Um, I personally had a. It was okay. It was it was nothing to nothing to shout home about. I mean, I went with my mum and my aunt to uh, to like a a local event discoy thing that my local pub was putting on. Um, and you know, you know, when you're like the only single one at a party and, uh, everybody else there, as far as I could see, were all coupled up and all loved up and it was, and it was all uh, lovey dovey and disgusting. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yes, there I was single old, single old worko. And, uh, of course the, the countdown to midnight started and it reached midnight. All the confetti went off and everybody starts snogging each other's faces off. And uh, there I was, just awkwardly still in the corner, just nursing my pint, watching it swill around in the glass for a good 30 to 45 seconds while everybody started playing tonsil tennis. And uh, I didn't know what to do with myself. So when they, that all finally died down, I was then finally able to go and say Happy New Year to everybody. But uh, <laughs> that was definitely one of the uh, one of the awkward Jack moments to put in the history books for sure. But uh, it was it was it was all right other than that. And um just to interject as well on all the jokiness. Um I know that 2022 was quite a difficult year for some people. I, I know that there was a good few people um that I know of that I'm friends with that messaged me about these feelings about and just general people that I saw on social media quite a few times. They didn't have a great year and they were at several times during the during the year, feeling like they didn't belong here anymore. And um, instead of doing something silly, they chose to stick it out, you know? And, and they saw in the new year. And to those people, if you're a listener that I haven't known about or whatever, or if you are someone that I know about um, that might not have made it known that you were feeling that way, or otherwise, if you just are listening and this podcast helped you last year through those times of feeling that way, I just wanted to say that I'm so proud of you, that you that you stuck it out and you made it to this new year. I'm so very proud um, because you, you are enough. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to be here. You do belong here. And I, I know how that feels because I was feeling it myself quite a few times. I don't mind admitting that. I definitely was, and I'm not wanting this to be a pity party. I don't want, 
I don't want to be flooded with people saying, oh, oh, I'm glad you're okay, yada, yada, yada. Because that's not why I'm saying this. Because instead, I just wanted to say I'm so very proud of you out there, if you have felt like that in the last year. Because um, I know that you need to hear that when you're in that sort of frame of mind. You need to hear somebody say, I'm proud of you and that you are enough. And what I would say is, like, like what I'm doing is treat this year this new year as a clean slate as a fresh start as a brand new a brand new era a brand new chapter in your life and i know it's all very cringy it's all very live laugh love but i'm not also i'm also not one to do new new year's resolutions either i'm just sort of like if you want to change your life you will change you will start on that track no matter what time of the year it is it's just easier i think because it's like the start of a new year to fully embrace those changes you know but um, just treat this as a brand new start, as a fresh new start. And I just want to say welcome to your fresh start. And I promise you, I so very dearly promise you that good things are coming. Okay? I want you to know that and I want you to remember that. Because the good things will only come when you truly believe it and you're truly receptive to it. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is there always is light at the end of the tunnel. Even though at the time when you're in the tunnel, you might not be able to see it. There, there will always be a light at the end of the tunnel. And I want you to know that this new year is that light. Please treat this new year, this new calendar year, as that light at the end of the tunnel where you get to have the fresh start. You get to forget, not forget, but move forward from whatever has happened in the last year or so. And... You are valued. You do have a value. You do. Are, you are worth more than you know to a lot of people. And can, can you tell I've been through therapy? <laughs> but yes, I just really want you to know that. And I'm very proud of you indeed that you're here with us in the new year and you get to see many, many more Talking Wednesday episodes, I hope. Um, but moving on from this wholesome little point, it's time to go into the housekeeping so, the Twitter account, the social media site that is at Talking Wed. I've had a blast so far with uh, with tweeting from it. It's been great fun to uh, to almost sort of wind up some people, sort of be on the calm and steady, logical approach to certain opinions. Um, I will discuss later in the episode some of the honestly ridiculous, dumbfounded things that the hashtag SWFC space has been <laughs> has been encountering recently. Um, but if you want to keep in the know with when new episodes drop and whatnot, then uh, at Talking Wed on Twitter, that is your best source of knowing when new episodes come out, um, of just interacting with people, because it's mainly myself and it's mainly uh, Jay, James, uh, who are the Twitter handlers and whatnot. Um, so if you want to tweet your opinion at us, if you want to if you want to even leave a review, you can also do that on Twitter. Or alternatively, segueing wonderfully into another bit of the housekeeping, uh, we are also on all of your favorite podcast platforms, as you already know by now. This is episode 98. Um, but nevertheless, you are. You can leave a review on uh, all your favorite podcast platforms. And uh, fun fact, the five-star reviews at some point will be read out live on an episode at the beginning bit. But as I don't have access to those 
reviews right now. Um, that won't be happening. Sorry to disappoint you, but uh, <laughs> but I will say that if you do enjoy this uh, this solo Jack episode, then please make it known. You know, because potentially if it gets a lot of a lot of support, a lot of thumbs up, a lot of five stars, or whatever, a lot of good reviews, then uh, there might be more of them potentially. Um, so. I would I would highly recommend I would highly recommend you leave reviews because it's it's also good for the algorithm to 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 get it out there into the podcasting sphere you know um but on that note as well you can also reach us on the Discord server on the Dexterity Box Discord server that is available to uh, YouTube join members so that's a nice little incentive to uh, actually become a join member and support support James uh, in just keeping this podcast afloat, keeping it going, because um, there are fees involved. And it's very helpful when you have a loving supporter base like yourselves to uh, to keep this whole thing going. And we just want to keep this going for as long as we possibly can while we enjoy it and while it's, it's well-received and while it's wanted. And we love doing it, quite frankly. We love... We, and I personally love the friendships that I've made uh, in James and Jake from pretty much doing this um and i'm just very glad that i'm part of this i'm, I'm very, i feel very lucky and privileged that i that i get to suddenly now be part of something that when it first began uh during the covid era um that i that i was just an avid listener each week and I, i've somehow ended up becoming a co-host that's that's mad and it if I can do this and become a co-host, then you at home listening sure can achieve something great, all right? Because how this has all happened, I have no idea. I'm, I'm very lucky that this has happened, but I I will never take it for granted being here, and uh, I just wanted to say that as well. Um, so, with all the soppiness and with all the housekeeping and the lack of a how's your week been, because there's nobody, there's nobody else here other than me, What's the point of doing that, right? We're going straight into the match reviews, and we have two match reviews for you today. The first of which is the Fleetwood victory. So, according to the BBC Sport website, which has been very helpful in providing a synopsis uh, to eloquently project how the match went from a unbiased point of view, um, Sheffield Wednesday came from behind to beat 10-man Fleetwood and extend their unbeaten League One run to 11 games, which we all know is now, well, soon to be 13, I'm I'm hoping, because, of course, we then beat Port Vale, and at the time of recording, the Cambridge United, the uh, Cambridge game is still going on. It's, uh, it's still going on. It's actually, it's... We're, do we're doing very well. I won't give spoilers away, all right? Well, I should. At the moment, it's 3-0 from, from what I have read um, <laughs> while I'm in progress of recording the episode. Um, so so I think the it's safe to say that, touch wood, as, as the old saying goes, uh, that it's going to be a 13-game unbeaten run. Um, but yes, so the hosts... Fleetwood, of course. We're back to the Fleetwood game. The hosts looked lively from the word go and had to wait less than 10 minutes for the opener, which, in my opinion, was actually a very good goal against us, even though it was for Fleetwood. Um, they worked it left to right before the ball found its way to Sean Rooney, who rifled an unstoppable effort past the helpless Cameron Dawson. They do, they do like, up the drama, don't they, BBC? I've noticed this. It's, I mean, 
I'm all for it. It provides flair. It provides action. It provides drama. It's great. Um, but, but, there is a but. It did not last long, as George Byers, making his first appearance for almost two months, was in the right place to divert Marvin Johnson's effort after 16 minutes. And that was quite a good goal as well. Quite a nifty little redirect from the... I, I think it was a shot, to be honest. It looked like it was a shot attempt from uh, Marvin Johnson, but Byers was just in the way and managed to wrong side the keeper from it was a fair distance as well actually fair distance at, towards the edge of the box um, and it was just a back heel it was like a jamie vardy special you know when he flicks it you don't care anyway <laughs> so uh the weather conditions was also kind of was was clearly noticeable um given that they've the bbc have said the torrid wind played havoc with both teams ability to build up in the second half and perhaps understandably the crucial third goal came from a set piece um, which was when Sheffield Wednesday had a corner, which was half cleared to Johnson, who was on the edge of the box, and he teed it up before lashing it home with a fine effort with 17 minutes left. And what a goal that was. It was very, I would say, actually, it was very much like Adam Reach back in his debut when he scored his first goal back in the day now, uh, away at Preston North End. Uh, it was very similar, very akin to that goal, but with a bit more control on it. It wasn't, it wasn't just leathered as hard as it was as hard as he possibly could. Um, but there was controversy because, uh, Sean Rooney then turned from hero to zero. And these are not my words. These are the BBC sports websites words. <laughs> he then turned from hero to zero as he saw red after 83 minutes for a second yellow card before <laughs> remonstrating with a host of players and staff prior to his exit down the tunnel. It was it was quite the sight. It was quite the talking point. He was picking a fight with literally everybody he could find. It was it was Darren Moore even stepped in front like a you know like a bouncer at a nightclub when they're just huge. These absolute behemoths of of a human being stood before you and intimidating you. That was pretty much Darren Moore. And then David Stockdale, who was on the bench, was following it up with another torrent of... of <laughs> who was just verbalizing all of these... Heaven knows what at him as he was walking down the tunnel. Um, and that was quite a big talking point. But nevertheless, Sheffield Wednesday secured the 2-1 win, uh, which then gave us, at the time, an 11 unbeaten run. And the other results from the, from, uh, the league during that day were Accrington Stanley won, Barnsley won. MK Dons, 1. Forest Green, 0. Cheltenham, 0. Plymouth Argyle, 1. Ipswich Town, 3. Oxford United, 0. And a lot of those victories, just as a caveat, very quickly, a lot of these victories that Ipswich have had by big scorelines, you know, 3-0, etc., etc., that technicality, even though, we're, even though Sheffield Wednesday, before the current game that is currently going on at the time of recording, um... That is why Sheffield Wednesday were below Ipswich uh, on the actual goals scored for Ipswich and goals scored against Ipswich. It was, even though it was the same goal difference, the fact that they've had more victories in which they've scored more than, you know, 1-0, nick the 1-0 or 2-1 wins or whatever, that is why they were second uh, at, at the time of recording uh, rather than Sheffield Wednesday being in second. Um but yes, 3-0 to uh, Ipswich against Oxford. Cambridge United 2, Shrewsbury 1. Wickham Wanderers 2, 
Bristol Rovers won. Exeter City drew 0-0 with Portsmouth. Port Vale won, Morecambe at nil. Burton at three, Lincoln City nil. Charlton won, Peterborough won. Bolton drew nil-nil with Derby County. Now that was a very interesting week of fixtures, which then, of course, brings us to the victory against Port Vale. And I think probably the uh, the fan reaction from the Port Vale fans made the victory a little bit sweeter, you know, because they were they really were not being very gracious in their in their trip to Hillsborough, which to be quite honest, seemed a bit like an FA Cup final to them. Uh, they were definitely behaving as such, as though this was the biggest occasion they've ever had. And look, it would not be Talking Wednesday since since I arrived on the scene if I wasn't trying to upset a fan base per episode, right? And this time, just because of how much lip they were giving constantly after the game, Port Vale are the people... Who are who who are who have been chosen, who are the chosen ones by myself. Um <laughs> uh, I don't care, we won 2-0. Look, it's nothing to me. But in this game, Michael Smith scored both goals as Sheffield Wednesday beat Port Vale 2-0 to extend their unbeaten Sky League One run to 12 games and maintain their push for promotion. Yes, that's right, folks. The promotion beers will be drunk at the end of this season right? We're, we're, get, we're going up. I don't care what anybody says. We are going up. Um, Wednesday skipper Barry Bannon put an early effort over, while at the other end, Gavin Macy forced a save from Cameron Dawson. Wednesday boss Darren Moore was forced to make a change midway through the half when Bannon went off injured, and I, I believe it was the same injury that he was suffering uh, against a couple of games before that. Right, he was. Uh, he he sadly had. He missed a couple of games because of a hamstring injury, and I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was the same injury that caused him a lot of grief during that game, and and so he had to be uh, subbed off. But that didn't make any difference because we still won two nil, proving that we are not Barry Bannon FC, and we are in fact a holistic team. Anyway. Smith struck the opener from the penalty spot on the half-hour mark after Tom Conlon was penalised for handling the ball inside the area. Ellis Harrison wasted a great chance to equalise soon after the goal firing wide. Harrison also spurred, uh, spurned an opportunity in the second half, shooting over from close range after meeting Sammy Robinson's ball in. Smith made it 2-0 in the 70th minute with a superb curling effort from distance. And I would say, to, to, for those of you that didn't see the game, to paint a picture in your mind, think back a few, a few years now, um, about think about three years, and uh, Adte knew you against Preston North End when he when he almost like he was a behemoth version of Messi, skimmed past three players and then slotted one from quite a fair distance into the top left corner like it was nothing, like just. Totally like it was nothing. It was very similar to that, except a right-footed effort instead. Um, and I also apologize for the technical difficulties uh, with the stuttering camera sometimes for you YouTube people. Um, my OBS that I'm recording this on is, is sometimes a little bit temperamental with that, so uh, I can only apologize if there's a stuttering camera movement uh, at any point during this podcast. However, then, there was little goal-mouth action in the final 20 minutes 
but the hosts, Sheffield Wednesday, seemingly content to sit on their two-goal cushion and Vale unable to reduce the arrears. Yeah, so uh, in other words, we parked the bus, lads. We did the Jose Mourinho special, and uh, we we parked that bus so much that stagecoach mistook Hillsborough for the new stop rather than the uh, rather than the tram stop up at the top of Hillsborough Park. Yeah. It was it was that kind of uh, it was that kind of tactic. It wasn't it wasn't a great end to the game. It wasn't the most entertaining end to the game, but it brought the game to an end nonetheless, and we won. And we extended at that point the uh, the run of wins to the well, I should say the run of unbeaten unbeaten run. The unbeaten run was extended to twelve at the end of that game. And of course, the other fixtures from that game day: Oxford United three, Charlton Athletic one. Barnsley 2, Fleetwood 1, Plymouth Argyle 1, Wickham Wanderers 0, Morecambe 2, Accrington Stanley 0, Bristol Rovers 3, Exeter City 4, quite quite an interesting game that one, Peterborough 2, MK 0, Shrewsbury 0, Cheltenham 1, and they both actually had a red card in that game, interesting, Portsmouth 2, Ipswich Town 2, Forest Green 1, Burton 2, Lincoln City 1, Bolton 1, and Derby County won, Cambridge nil. So that was uh, that was the roundup of those games, which of course at the time, again at the time of recording, we are third, uh, drawing with Ipswich on points and goal difference, with Ipswich only being above us in terms of the goals scored for and you know the goals against, but same difference. Anyway, with with all that of that said, hopefully we can hop above them. Should the Ipswich result go our way, we will then be second. And in the automatic positions at last, where we've wanted to be for the longest time. Um, and you know what? I'm going to address it now. The uh, the Twitter meltdown, quite frankly, the Twitter meltdown about the fact that we are third, right? To put it in perspective, we are third. We are effectively tied in second place with Ipswich Town. And a certain contingent of the Sheffield Wednesday fan base have, to, have taken it upon themselves to just erupt like Mount Vesuvius into this, into this diarrhea of, of vitriol about how Darren Moore should be sacked. And I cannot understand, I, I cannot fathom the logic behind this, right? Because... They've said such things as he plays terrible football. We're currently winning 3-0 at the time of recording, right? That's the that's what I've last seen while recording this podcast, um, which I'm sure the, as well, the post-match review by Mr. Punkchef41 will be excellent, as it always is. But we're currently winning 3-0. We are sitting in third place. Sure, sometimes games require you to win ugly, as they say. It doesn't mean that we're always going to play in a in a in a in a manner that requires us to win ugly, but it's what's required of us right now. And sometimes you just have to play the sort of football that will just win you games that you can graft out to the end that does that won't necessarily look like Argentina did during this World Cup or France did during this World Cup. You know, you can't always have this absolute picturesque ultra, ultra attractive method of playing football on the pitch and necessarily get results. 
because you don't have the proof of that victory at the end when you lose 2-1 or so because the other team have managed the game very well or or whatever. You can't always have these picture-perfect games every single week. Sometimes you've just got to dig in and graft, and it's ugly, and it's not so nice to watch, but that's how Gary Megson got lots of results, and nobody was on his back back in the day in 2012. He got a lot of his results for Sheffield Wednesday in that same exact way, just grafting an ugly football, but it got results, right? Sometimes we're going to have to do that too, and it's what we were lacking quite a lot last year, in fact, and it, we got found out a good few times because of trying our very best to play attractive football, even though it wasn't really possible during that game because of how the opposition was playing. Sometimes you just have to play to the opposition, and when it needs to be a just dig it out, it doesn't matter how attractive the football is, you just got to graft and make sure you don't lose. That's how we've played a few games this season, and th the facts that we've had <laughs> a ridiculous number. I believe it's 14 to 16, if I'm not mistaken. The figure is in that range. Please feel free to fact check me at TalkingWed on Twitter. If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. I will happily have a discussion with you, but you can't have that many clean sheets in a season after complaining so much last season that we were not having enough clean sheets and the defense wasn't doing very well. And then this season, start complaining about the team for solving that precise issue and having so many defensive marvels each game and having so many clean sheets. You can't then suddenly turn around and start having a go at them for solving the issue that you were having a go at them for the previous season. Darren Moore has done this. He's seen the issue that we were having with all leaking so many goals last year, and he's patched it up. He's solved the issue. So that point of the argument is totally irrelevant because you were calling for this last year. You was There were so many people shouting on, on social media, when are we going to just win ugly? Sometimes you need to graft and get a bit physical. When are we going to start doing that? We've started doing it. We've... They have begun playing that way this season, and certain people, the same ones, I might add, I've, I've kept track of who was saying what, so the same ones saying this sort of stuff are the people now complaining that we are playing in a manner that they were constantly asking for last year, and I can't understand it. Do they just want to have things to be negative about when there is nothing to be negative? We're joint. We're effectively joint second right now. From from my current understanding, at time of recording, we are joint second with Ipswich on points on goal difference, and people are still acting as though we're in the bottom three. And more things that people were saying about Darren Moore is that he's tactically inept. These these people, right? And I know I'm getting very passionate, but quite frankly, I'm sick of reading about it because. Gary Megs, he's doing effectively a, as good a job, if not slightly better, than Gary Megson did in the 2011-2012 uh, season, right? And they weren't having a go at him then. Sure, social media wasn't as big back then as it is now, but even so, people weren't saying these things about him, and Darren Moore's playing more attractive football than Gary Megson did. And, uh... <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm getting so passionate. It's just really been it's really been on my mind for quite some time and it's been bothering me to no end. But 
they're acting as though he needs to be sacked because because he's tactically inept, because he doesn't know what he's doing, because he's out of his depth. We're third in the league, for the love of God. Like, if he was tactically inept and out of his league and out of his depth, we'd be in the relegation zone and he, he wouldn't still have a job at the moment, right? He knows what he's doing, quite frankly. Uh, I'm being very bold and impassioned this this episode, right? Because I just can't stand it seeing all of this, seeing all of this vitriol being spewed about him because he does not deserve this. The team don't deserve this. They've worked their socks off in the build up to Christmas and and now I I think again because they're currently 3-0 up from last I checked during the time of recording. Um they don't deserve this torrent of, of, of slating that they're getting. It's ridiculous. It's the most ridiculous stuff I've ever read. It's arguably borderline as, as unfathomable as, as when we were third. I know, understandably, Gary Monk took us downhill, right? But we were third in the championship that Christmas time. Uh, twen it was the, the season that Steve Bruce left for Newcastle, right? And we were third at Christmas time. And people were calling him for his, for his head then. But this, bearing in mind this was before it all went downhill and, and yada, yada, yada. But even so, because he doesn't fit the right mold or he's, he's, his face doesn't fit in the eyes of certain people, which for, the re for those reasons, I could go on about but I won't. I will refrain this time because I know that when you bring up those issues, these same people go into absolute ultra defensive mode and 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 start going on to you and giving 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 you unneeded slating. <laughs> when it's very clear what certain motivate motivational factors are behind the criticisms of these of some of these people, and I think it's disgusting. But because in in these certain in these certain groups of of so-called fans i'm doing i'm doing quotation mark signs with my with my hands for you audio listeners but <laughs> because of these people and their opinions that their that his face doesn't fit they just keep blasting the fact that he needs to be sacked and replaced who would then okay sure in in the event that this does happen right who do you get in instead who who would drop down to league 1 that all of these people seem to think we could get in in a, in a heartbeat. People say Sean Dyche, maybe, or other other managers that are out of work right now. They keep saying all these names that are high profile and are holding out for a Premier League job or a high-end championship job. Why, exactly, would they drop down to League One to replace Darren Moore? Because, unfortunately... These people as well seem to have it in their heads that we are still Sheffield Wednesday that drew that that lost to Hull in the playoff final and and lost on penalties to Huddersfield in the playoff semi-finals. This is 6 years ago now, 6 years ago. And these same people are treating this club as though it is the same club that that was around, the same team that was around. There's only Barry Bannon and Jack Hunt and Liam Palmer from that squad left that were in those playoff campaigns as as far as I know, as far as I can remember. It's not the same squad. It's not the same team. It's not the same club as it was six years ago. So please 
do alter your expectations and your opinions to the here and now. Please stop living in this past era. And even so, the people that are living in this past era that were praising Gary Megson for his results and his run of victories and how many points he got on the board, he's Darren Moore's doing the same, if not a slightly better job than Gary Megson was all those years ago in 2012. So I don't know what else to say, because I know that these certain people won't listen. And I think it's honestly a joke that these people are, <laughs> are attacking our manager for the stellar job that he is doing. Because don't forget, he's had to turn the whole culture of the entire football club around. He sorted the academy out. He's actively trying to make the community side of the club a bigger deal again. He's pioneering all of that. The hospital visits are back in, in force. And the, the soccer camps, they're still going on and they're getting a lot more publicity now. All of these community things are being improved vastly under the manager. And and all of this, all of this process to, up, up, to this upheaval of the culture of the club cannot happen overnight. It can't happen in the snap of a finger, like loads of these fans seem to think that we we deserve to be a Premier League team right now because we were one of the founding members of the Premier League. I understand that. Historically, historically, we are a, a very large club. We are, I would, we're, we're on a similar scale to Aston Villa, except Aston Villa won more European trophies than we have. But historically huge doesn't necessarily mean that we are a big club now. And I know that that's going to be clipped out of context, and I don't care. I'm willing to I'm willing to debate this, right? But we are not the same big club that we were in the 1990s. We are we are Sheffield Wednesday who has been yo-yoing through the second through the second and third tiers for almost 20 for over 20 years now. We're not the same club that we used to be. But Darren Moore and his and the process and the ethos and the culture he is trying to instill into this club is going to get us back there and in a more sustainable way rather than just as long as we throw stupid amounts of money at it then it will continue because that isn't sustainable even in the even in the wider economic climate right now that isn't sustainable because rich owners of football clubs are being affected by all of this cost of living stuff as much as the the as season ticket holders of the club everybody is being affected by it and these ramifications of what is happening right now aren't going to just disappear overnight they're going to continue for a good couple of years and it's the hard truth that a lot of people need to know that Mr. Chancery is doing his very best right now to, to, to keep the club at a championship standard, even though we're in League One. This must, be, this must be costing quite a considerable amount of money just to maintain the sort of, of practices that the club is maintaining right now, as well as paying the players that they are, that they have on their roster. Because a lot, a lot of them, quite frankly, are championship players, mid-table sort of championship players, in my, in my opinion. And I know that others share that opinion too. And all of this doesn't... It, it's very easy for people who are just 
people people that just buy tickets to go to the games, right? And season ticket holders. It's very easy for people like that to criticize somebody when it's not their money being spent, right? It's very easy for that to happen. It's very easy for them to criticize the players on the pitch for doing certain things. It's very easy for them to criticize the manager for em employing certain tactics, etc. But they're not part of it. They're not involved in the process. They're not financially involved other than buying a season ticket. If you're, if you're buying a, what, £600 plus or whatever the pricing is right now, I'm sorry if I've got that wrong, but if you're buying a season ticket per year, imagine how much money the chairman of the football club is currently spending. Because League One profits are nowhere near the same as championship profits. The TV money, which was a massive amount of income for the club is not there anymore because we're in League One because Sky Television don't broadcast all that many games in League One over the course of the year that they do in the Championship. The whole red button thing, if you've got Sky and watch the midweek games on Sky, isn't a thing. D Dexterity Box, the Dexterity Watches, right? That's James paying his own money to get the game on iFollow so that he can give all of you a viewing experience of the get of the game if you don't have Sky. And I'm I I am one who often more often than not relies on those dexterity watches to follow the game because I I don't I don't live near the ground. It's it's not very practical for me to go to the games, and that's why I'm a bit of an armchair fan. And thank you, by the way, as well, for those of you out there who were. Uh, who, who have called me such uh, in <laughs> private messages. I much appreciate that. But uh, it's it's right now, and I've explained those reasons about why I haven't been to the games a lot, and I don't really want to go over them again, because I might do in the in the 100th episode, if we're feeling all reflective, to sort of say, to, to, to just discuss the previous 99 episodes before that and, and all that stuff and get nostalgic, then I'll, I'll maybe talk about it again, right? But... I don't really want to go in, into it again today. I have my reasons for not physically going there for to Hillsborough for quite some time, and I am not ashamed of those <laughs> reasons, really. But it's it's <laughs> people are spending money, yes. But imagine on the to scale it up to the multi-million pounds that Mr. Chancery is spending out of his own pocket now because. For one, he privately owns the ground, right? All the maintenance costs, all the energy bill costs, all of that, all the running costs, the paying of staff to work in the ground, that's coming out of his bank account. That's not coming out of the the club fund. That's coming out of his private bank account. He's personally financing this. He's personally keeping this club afloat because we haven't really had... In past years, that might be different now because of the wonderful work that Mr. Liam Dooley has been doing uh, for the commercial side of things. But even so, there needs to be a lot more done. But that's another topic for another day. But think of how much money that man is spending to keep this club going and keep this club at a championship standard. And yet, lots of people keep un unjustifiably criticizing every little thing that he does and and that every decision that he and the club and the manager make when. All they have to do is sit there and watch it, right? And I know I'm I'm not going to make friends from making this big, this big monologue, but I don't care. I'm happy to debate. I'm happy to debate, and I I know that that people listening to this may think it makes sense, etc. But 
it's very easy for all these people to criticize when they're not financially involved to the scale that the chairman is, as an example. The, and the, the, the mental health toll that must occur to players when all they see is the vitriol. Yes, they'll be, you know, they're, they're professional football players. They're expected to play to a standard. But even so, the, the sort of lashing out on social media, privately messaging them with comments about their skin colour or something that I've seen people in newspapers from other clubs, as far as I'm aware, not not ours, thankfully, but doing things like that, fans on social media doing these sort of things. And I'm, I'm not surprised. I fully believe that when Mr. Chancery a few years ago came out and said that because of the social media side of things, that a big major potential sponsor for the club didn't want anything to do with us because of this, because they saw after a bad result, the vitriol that gets spewed by this minority of people on Twitter. And it disgusts me because we're supposed to be supporters of the club. And, I, and I'm making a very happy clapper statement right now. And I know it. And I don't care because it's not happy clapping. It's, it's logical. It's reasonable. It's used with having a sense of more than just them kicking a ball around on the field. It's, it's the... The, the toll this must take on players and the manager even, if, if the manager does ever see, he, he probably well does. He might, he, there's a very good chance that he does. And I think it's disgusting that for this, considering where we are in the league, it's just, it's just beyond a joke. And I'm sorry that I'm going at length, on at length about this, but I just think it's so important to make this case and make it known. If, if anybody from the club is listening... I just want, really, really want this point to be known that the logical fans, the reasonable fans, the, the fans who don't have this strange negative tinted mask or got negative tinted goggles on about anything that the club does, I just want them to know that we are behind you. We are so proud. We are so proud of what... Has, has gone on this season about the the how the valiant effort that the players are putting in this season. We're joint second currently, and if we win tonight and the Ipswich result goes in our favour, we go to second. We're in the automatics. We will be two points clear of hopefully two or three points clear, and th that that should be getting no end of support and applause and praise. But instead, there's this really loud annoying contingent of fans berating the manager and saying that he's out of his depth and that he doesn't know what he's doing. If he didn't know what we, what he was doing, we wouldn't be in second place or third place, whatever, you know? Anyway, I'm sorry for that big rant. I'm. It just needed to be said. It just really needed to be addressed. And I didn't want to leave it till the end because I wanted it to be in the meaty part of the episode. But with all of that rant over... um. It's time to move on to the news, the news of this week. And I was, this first bit of news, I was devastated with, because um, I have a very personal connection with with this man. And it was that the, uh, the Brazilian football legend Pelé has passed away at the age of 82. Um, I was so sad about this when I read this, because this man was my dad's, all-time football 
icon hero who he worshipped. He he personally sat there in Wembley and saw England win the World Cup in 1966, my dad did, and he loved Pele even more than that, than all of those people combined. He he idolised this man, and I, of course, because I'm 23 years old, uh, soon to be 24 in February, um, so the pre-happy birthday messages will be wonderful, but you don't have to do that. Anyway, anyway, sorry. Back on track. But the, uh, I was, because of my age, I was firmly in the, oh, the greatest ever is Lionel Messi. Because that's the, the, the people that I grew up with, Messi and Ronaldo. And I, I thought this for a long time. And then my dad said, no, no, they haven't got a scratch on Pele. And he then showed me the, the, the goals that he scored. In fact, I'll go into the stats here. He is credited with scoring a world record 1,281 goals in 1,363 appearances during a 21-year career, including 77 goals in 92 matches for his country. The only player to win the World Cup three times, lifting the trophy in 1958, 1962, and 1970. Pelé was named FIFA's Player of the Century in the year 2000. Now, the, I, I thought I understood icons when there was Lionel Messi, in you know, in terms in footballing terms, and then my dad showed me like those those compilation videos or whatever that he found of Pele's goals um, and, and you know, Pele's greatest moments, all that sort of stuff. And he showed me this video and then he told me all about Pele and, and told me all, you know, and he sat me down as well one day and he and he watched uh, the, the Hollywood movie with Michael Caine, Escape to Victory, that had Pele in as one of the main characters. And ever since that time it solidified in my mind that pele is the greatest to ever walk the earth and i will i will happily die on that hill right i will i will die on that hill um that there will not be another one like him and i am devastated that he's gone it's understandable because of his age and the illnesses that he scuffed that he uh, suffered the the kidney and prostate problems in in his later life in recent years um, and the surgeries that he had to have to remove the uh, to remove a tumor from his colon in September 2021, um, and then being readmitted in in late November of last year, um, it's understandable because he was 82 years old that he's he, his time was coming. Um, but it's sort of it's one of those people that you always sort of think they they, they can't they, they're not they're more than human beings they're icons that they, they but. Pele will have the privilege and honor of living forever because of the statues of him, because of the, the, the escape to victory, the movie about him, that there's even a biopic movie, I think about Pele too. Um, but all of his accomplishments, it, he, he'll live on forever. And nothing makes me happier than knowing that arguably the greatest to ever play the game, to ever walk the earth, to play football will live forever in that regard. And I also am so happy for my dad because he'll finally get to meet his idol in the afterlife that wherever it is, they've gone now. Because um, as you know, from the from the, uh, there was a community special episode quite a while ago that was my first, actually, Tidbit was my first appearance on Talking Wednesday, but as a guest. Um, and I talked about how my dad passed away 
and that's one of the reasons that I don't go to Hillsborough a lot. But anyway, but um, my dad will now get to meet his all-time football idol in heaven. And um, I was quite sad. I was, <laughs> as an understatement, I was I was quite devastated when I when I heard about this news. Um, but yes, that was the that's the first bit of news. And back to the and and obviously it's the the relevance to Sheffield Wednesday here is that he played at Hillsborough in the seventies, I think, uh, when he was playing for Santos. And um, that's the, that's the Sheffield Wednesday link, just to link it back into this podcast. But yes, it's it's quite a quite a blow for the footballing world and probably for the the wider world because he did i believe he did a lot for for no very noble causes and stuff and um he's he's one that's will never really see the likes of again in my lifetime in my future children's lifetime i i it's going to be a big miss i think for the world a big loss but the next bit of news back to the sheffield wednesday news now uh, the that diomic di- uh, <laughs> Dominic Orfer uh, has been dealt an injury blow, and this comes from Football Transfers Tavern, uh, the website Football Transfer Tavern, and uh, I quote them saying, uh, "Sheffield Wednesday defender Dominic Iorfa being ruled out for a few weeks through injury is a blow," according to journalist Joe Cran. The Owl centre-back was missing from the squad, which earned a 2-1 victory over Fleetwood Town in League One on Boxing Day, with Darren Moore having since explained the reason for the player's absence. The Hillsborough manager has revealed that the 27-year-old has sustained a small ankle Achilles strain and will now face a spell on the sidelines, and he isn't expected to return for at least a couple of weeks. Taking to Twitter, Cran reacted to the gutting news coming out of Wednesday, with Iorfa now joining his teammates Ben Hennigan and Michael Awekwe in the treatment room. The star journalist tweeted, Ben Hennigan out for the season, Michael Awekwe sidelined for months. Now Dominic Iorfa will be missing for a few weeks. Another centre-back blow for SWFC. Iorfa has been an absolute rock at the heart of the Owls' backline this season, and it will be a huge setback for Moore to learn that he will have to make do without the 27-year-old for the upcoming run of fixtures. The defender was averaging a 3.5 successful aerial duel rate and a 2.1 clearances rate per game prior to this injury, alongside having the versatility to also operate as a right-back and also in midfield. And that, that stat section came from who scored... Um, Moore won't be panicking, considering that his Wednesday side are just two points off the automatic promotion places, but Iorfa's return will nonetheless be a significant boost in the club's hunt for championship football whenever he is again fit to feature. And of course, you know, two points off the automatics was prior to, uh, prior to the, uh, the, the Port Vale game. So, anyway, uh, that's a, that's a bit of bad news. Uh, it's starting to be a little bit worrying in that department, in the centre-back department with injuries, because um, obviously there's Michael Wetway and Ben Hennigan out, and they, for the start of the season, were pretty much our dependable centre-back pairing, and now D- Dominic Iorfa has even gone uh, for a few weeks on, inju- on out for, uh, for an injury. But Mark McGuinness uh, was only brought in to cover Akin Femiwo, and there's also a little bit of a worry that he might go back to Cardiff uh, because of their whole loan situation right now. 
Um, but that's also another bit of news that I will cover in, in depth in, in, in just a second. But uh, we're, we're, li- we're looking a little bit thin on the ground when it comes to solidified, you know, certain veteran seasoned centre-backs. Um, so hopefully, potentially, that might influence any jans- uh, January transfer activity. I know it's the position that I would probably be going for uh, in terms of signings because, well, <laughs> if we're so many men down like we are right now, I uh, I, I can't see us not doing that if, if the injury room is as full of centre-backs as this article suggests. Um, but yes, the next bit of news is uh, comes from the star. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday wide man makes contract admission over his Al's future after star turn. So, Marvin Johnson, this is all about. So the the star says, and I quote, Johnson put in a star turn for the Owls earlier this week to help them extend their unbeaten run to 11 games with a win over Fleetwood Town, with the wide man picking up an assist and a goal, as well as making a goal line clearance in the 2-1 victory. The 32-year-old has been a key cog in Darren Moore's Wednesday machine since arriving at the start of last season and has now picked up seven goals and assists for the club in 2022 and 23 across all competitions. He's one of several players who will be out of contract at the end of this season. But he says that that he says that that side of things is not something that he's concerning himself with at this point in time. When questioned if there had been talks over his future at Hillsborough, Johnson told the star, "Nah, my head is down focusing on these on the games, focusing on the points and obviously focusing on promotion, which is the goal that we all want." That's the most important thing right now. He would, however, jump at the chance to stick around if the opportunity arises. Definitely, he replied after being asked whether he wanted to stay. I love it here. I'm enjoying my football. I enjoy the boys and the staff and the fan base is unbelievable. Well, I'm sure he means unbelievable in the positive sense. Um, End quote, sorry. He didn't, obviously, you know that he didn't say he means unbelievable in the positive sense. But... On that note, I I definitely think it's worth tying him down because, I mean, quite frankly, look at the performances he was pulling in last season. Um, I do think potentially that a lot of the contracts will be figured out in the summer. Um, But I also think possibly he might be one of the players that they're sort of looking at and will decide in the summer whether to offer a new deal, depending on what league we're in. even so, even so, I think he would be a very good asset in the championship when we go up because, I mean, look at how well he's doing in League One. Most of the time, the players on other sides can't actually really deal with him all that well, uh, as evidenced by how many assists that he's uh, given in the last, you know, previous season and so far this season. Um, I, I definitely, personally, I would offer him a deal, but I'd offer him a deal in which we could possibly sell him in the future in the, in the near future but not lose him to a free transfer cuz and i i mean don't no disrespect by that please understand again if any of the players hear this podcast i'm not saying this in any kind of disrespectful manner at all i just from a cold objective point of view I do think his age of 32 would come into a factor, a, a deciding factor in the contract negotiations and, and whether or not we do offer him a new deal. Um, but I do think offering him a new deal would be a better plan than not doing so and let him going, letting him go on a free. But because there's not been 
any public, shall we say, journalistic coverage other than this article, um, I definitely do think that maybe it's the situation where they're waiting to the summer to sort of see what league they're in and deciding at that point whether or not to give them a deal or not. Um, but with that all said, the next bit of news is about Reese James. It's about another left back. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, and this comes from Football Transfer Tavern again. Uh, they've given a couple of articles now. But Sheffield Wednesday, Reese James staying is really good news. Sheffield Wednesday, and I quote, sorry, Sheffield Wednesday defender Reese James staying at the League One club for the rest of the season is really good news, according to journalist Dom Housen. The Owls left back arrived at Hillsborough over the summer, having put pen to paper on a season-long loan from Blackpool, and he's made an impressive start to life under Darren Moore. The 29-year-old's excellent form caused concern among supporters that he would be recalled in January, though the boss has now confirmed that he won't be leaving as a result of not having a midterm release clause included as part of the deal. So that's a very good bit of news. End quote, sorry. Very good bit of news. And uh, quote again. Talking to Twitter... Taking to Twitter, sorry. Housen reacted to the positive update coming out of Wednesday and claimed, uh, and claiming, yes, no, so, messing up my words, jeez, I can't read, clearly. And claimed that maintaining James's services will be a benefit in the long run. Really good news for SWFC that Reese James is staying put for the remainder of the season. He's such a versatile, dependable player. His performances have been very steady, is what he said in the tweets. Uh, quote again. James has become a regular feature since signing on the dotted line in Yorkshire, and it's a huge boost for Moore to know that he'll be able to keep hold of him until the conclusion of the 2022-23 campaign. And then, according to who scored, the uh, end quote, and then according to who scored, the statistics say that the backup-born talent uh, is currently averaging 2.3 tackles and 2.1 clearances per league 90 minutes, highlighting the rock he's been in the back line. And again, those stats came from uh, who scored. Uh, and quote again from the article. The Owls are just two points off the automatic promotion places, and James will no doubt have a significant impact on whether or not his side are able to make the jump back up to the championship. So I think it's very good news. I, I think he's done a marvellous job so far, quite frankly, at left back. He had the hiccup when he got sent off. But I think since then he's and he's even admitted himself, hasn't he? In in uh, in that video interview with the with the club uh, on their YouTube channel, that he's uh, he's he's worked hard since getting that sending off, and it's and it was a bit of a wake up call. And since then, look how good he's been. Um, a lot of fans say sign him up. I would say be cautious with that because again, Blackpool in the Championship have sent him out on loan for a reason. He's been in promotion sides before, like Sunderland. Um, well, I say Sunderland. They were in League One at the time, weren't they? Silly me. But he's been in promotion, promoted sides to the championship before and has ended up back in League One again. So I'm maintaining a positively cautious mindset about the prospect of signing him permanently because I don't, I don't want us to just go for faces that are familiar. Uh, in that sense. If we do go up, I do want us to go for the best we can possibly get for a certain value. And I, whether this is a, gr the grass is always greener kind of perspective, I don't know, but from my point of view, but I would be cautious in 
what we decide to do with that on that front, because potentially there is a reason he has kept dropping back down to League One again after being in the championship with previous sides. Um, but yes, that's you know that's that that that's that's kind of where I stand on it. It's a bit controversial because most most fans that I've seen on social media and whatnot have said absolutely sign him up. He's he's a crucial person for us. Um, but that's my standpoint. Um, and the next bit of news is from the star, actually, and it's about Mark McGuinness. Uh, we'll monitor it. Sheffield Wednesday boss responds to questions on Mark McGuinness's loan from Cardiff City. And uh, the quote from the article is that it was confirmed this week after defender Rhys James would be staying at Hillsborough for the duration of the 2022-23 season as per the terms of his loan deal. It would appear that Darren Moore is confident of the same being said for his young Nottingham Forest loanee. I think that was a typo, because uh, he's from Cardiff, not Nottingham Forest. Um, oh, for his Nottingham Forest loanee. Sorry, it's the wording. He's he's uh, he's talking about Alex Mighton there, not Mark McGuinness, because I've just read ahead. For McGuinness, quote again, For McGuinness, however, a transfer embargo at his parent club, Cardiff City, has become a cause for concern amongst supporters, with many fearing that the informed centre-back would be recalled next month when the transfer window opens up again. Moore is hardly flush for central defender defenders at present, with Ben Hennigan, Michael Oetway, and Dominic Iorfa all sidelines, so fans are understandably antsy about the former Arsenal youngster. And which is what I said earlier as well, actually. End quote, sorry. Uh, end quote again. When asked if they'd uh, had any assurances on Mighton or McGuinness, the Owls boss told the star, with Alex, we think we'll be fine until the end of the season. And the other is Mark McGuinness, and that's the one we're going to have to monitor and, and see week to week in terms of how it goes. I thought he was good uh, again, so we'll see how that goes over the next couple of weeks. It's just the game. It's where it's at. We'll monitor it, and we'll go from there. All three loanies are likely to feature tonight as the Owls play host to Port Vale. This was, of course, end quote, sorry. This is, of course, before the Port Vale win. Uh, quote again. With the trio having played their part in the 2-1 win over Fleetwood Town on Boxing Day. End quote. So, from my standpoint, yes, they have a transfer embargo. However, Cardiff are not exactly skimping around trying to find players they're very well equipped with players, especially in that position right now. And I can't see a logical reason as to why they would recall him because they're doing okay this season. It's it's If they do recall him in January, it's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction, right? And I would see him going, continuing with us for the duration of this season and being recalled in the summer. And it's I think the summer is the crucial time around when his fate would be decided because there's on the one hand there's the the factor of oh we're under a transfer embargo we better sell players uh that you know that are too expensive so they might sell the other center halves that they've got at the club that may be on quite a fair wage and then keep mark mcginnis because of the good job he's done in league one or on the other hand they might see ah he's done very well there he's young he's got a lot of potential sheffield wednesday really want him Let's let's try and see how much we can get for him because we'll need it to cover running costs, etc. Because they won't have for a good couple of years now the income that they would get from selling players. So they might try and do a bit of a cash grab 
with the most promising players, etc., that have the higher value, like Mark McGuinness. Um, and that might be, in fact, when we end up signing him permanently. Um, because we've done very well so far over the last couple of years of of being very, very frugal and not spending very much and getting free transfers in whenever we possibly could. And even when we have spent money, it's it's not been all that much since... We've, we've not actually spent that much for quite a good couple of years now. So potentially, I'm not the finance man. I've no knowledge of the finances of the club right now at, in any way, but there might be a bit of a war chest building up. There might actually have been a discussion at some point that said you can have money in January if things are not going quite as 100% as you would like, but we're doing well um, to try and secure that promotion thing. Or we can hold off if we are doing well and you get a good boatload of money in the summer to to bring in the proper high-caliber additions to the squad that you might feel that you need. Um, and personally, I... Call me an optimist, right? But I'm erring at the moment on the side of he's staying with us because they still have the coverage of players and whatnot at Cardiff. And potentially, we might just have to up the price that we spend on getting him in permanently in the summer a little bit because of the demands of Cardiff. Um, that's the side I'm airing on. But currently right now, I, I think it's also a little bit pointless to to air on the negative. And it's not really in our hands right now. Um, it, it's in Cardiff's hands, really. And I just, I don't think there's anything we can do about it to to influence it either way. So I'm I'm being I'm honestly I am so far on the fence with this that I can taste splinters. It is that far. I'm not going to finish the metaphor. You know where I was going with it, I'm sure. But I am that far on the fence about this that the splinters are in my mouth. Um anyway, the next bit of news and the last bit of news that we have to cover is from the Examiner Live, Charlton boss answers Jasurun Raksaki. I do apologize if I've said that name wrong. I sincerely apologize. Transfer question. Admit uh, amid Sheffield Wednesday links. And I quote, Charlton boss Dean Holden says speculation over Jasun Jasurun Raksaki just end quote for a second, but just imagine how Jake would have said that name, bless him. I'm I'm glad that he's passed on the uh the 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 duty to me to myself uh to say this. Bless him. We love you, Jake. Anyway, resuming the quote uh Saki's future is just noise to him. The Crystal Palace Loney has been in, in impressive form in the first half of the season, culminating in him being linked with a mid-season switch to a host of clubs, including Sheffield Wednesday. The 20-year-old has scored five goals and provided three assists in the 23 games for the Addicts so far. Wednesday are among a host of clubs to be linked with a January move for Raksaki, with championship duo Hull City and Millwall also reportedly keen. Holden, only recently appointed as Ben Garner's successor, has been quizzed about the Palace Loney's future. He said, It's noise. He's signed to us. Obviously, there is a parent club who, in the future, will be in charge of him. We've got him for the moment, and he's a really good player. We don't talk about that. Speculation, he could be recalled. We focus on improving him as a player. 
When we take a player from a Premier League club, it is our job to improve them and for them to come in and do well for the team. Palace chief Patrick Vieira remained coy over Raksaki's future, telling London News Online there is a reflection about the decision to make. Of course, he's doing really well. It's important for him to keep playing. At his age, to keep progressing, you need to play every week. So that's... End quote. So, uh, so that is effectively a little hint that should he move, he would have to be guaranteed first-team football. And I'm 50-50 on this one because, of course, uh, occasionally Darren Moore has obviously signed youngsters and hasn't necessarily guaranteed them first-team football. But I would only see that as a good thing because it almost highlights the mental strength of these players saying, right, okay, he can't guarantee it. So I'm taking that as a challenge. I'm taking that as a, I must work my socks off in training, etc., and put in a, put a real shift in to make sure that I am one of the first names on that team sheet. And certain players, shall we say, that we've had on loan in the past haven't necessarily agreed with that ethos. And that is why they have ended up at other clubs, both a lone player and a player that we had for just last season. Uh, potent I could be totally wrong, but that is the impression given to us fans from the outside perspective. Um, and I don't think that we would want to sign a player that would have that outlook. We need to sign... We, we would want to sign a player that... It doesn't matter whether they're guaranteed first-team football or not. They need to put a shift in. They need to have the mental resilience to say, right, okay, I'm guaranteeing my name on that team sheet, whether you can promise me that or not. And if this player is is has got that mindset, if this player has got that mindset, then perfect, wonderful. Um, if not, then I don't think we'll miss this player. We'll, we'll miss not signing this player, should we say. Um, but if he's been playing well so far, um, then quite frankly, I I would I would say I would say sign him up. And considering Charlton are or at the start of the season were a a sort of pinpointed rival of promotion of us, uh, I think it'd be a bit of a coy move to to secure uh, a player from our from our right sort of rivals or whatever. Um, but yes, I think that's very interesting. The 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 January welcome to the Jan uh, January transfer rumor mill. By the way, it's all starting. It's all just beginning. Um, and here we are. Here we are. But uh, that also feels like a very good note to end on because it has been a good solid hour. Um, but yes, I really hope that you've enjoyed this this episode. It's been a bit ranty in in the middle there. Um, but I'm not going to apologize for it. All right, you can you can. If you didn't want to listen to that, you can skip through it or whatever. There's, there'll potentially be timestamps. We don't know. We don't know how this will be uploaded. I don't currently know. Um, but at either way, at, e at any rate, I, I do hope I've spoken sense today. And I haven't sent you all to sleep with my... I've been told I've got an audiobook narrator voice. All right. And I definitely hope that my voice has not sent anybody to sleep in a, in a bad way. If you listen to this podcast to send you to sleep then 
great. I've done my job. Love it. But uh, if, <laughs> but uh, if if this podcast has uh, has enlightened you, or or has entertained you, or or has has made any any points that you would severely agree with, then please let us know on at Talking Wed. Just at us. Do a tweet. Um, or let us know in future reviews if you also like this Solo Jack episode. Because um, it's just a bit of a happy accident on my part that I'm covering for two ill people, but very unhappy in the regard that I really want my friends to get well soon. Um, but, as always, this 98th episode has been very fun, and uh, we will see you in the next one, and I hope you find yourselves in a very nice place listening to this podcast, and uh, hopefully, of course on time of recording, the uh, the game is still going on. I don't know what the score is right now. It was 3-0 when I last checked, but hopefully we've got all three points against Cambridge, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. So uh, take care, folks. See you later.